Thanks for tuning in. This is Steve Agee, and you're about to listen to another episode of uh, um, with a really dear friend of mine, David Ketching, uh, from bands such as Eagles of Death Metal, Earthlings. Um, uh, he's played with uh, Queens of the Stone Age uh, and so many other people. Uh, he's played with the Desert Sessions. He owns... My favorite place in the world, uh, Rancho de la Luna, which is uh, his house and recording studio in Joshua Tree. A lot of you who follow me on Instagram or Twitter know that I spend a lot of time in Joshua Tree. Well, now you know that this is the person whose house I am at. Dave Catching, an amazing guitar player, musician, and an amazing human being. I'm... I just randomly texted him and he was like, yeah, I'm in L.A. So I'm like, please come do my podcast. Uh, I've been wanting him to do it for a long time, and he agreed. So please enjoy this episode of Steve Agee uh, with my good friend Dave Catching, and thank you very much. Uh, I think it's hot here, you know. Well, with two hot dudes like us. Yeah. You know, that <laughs> <laughs> like, beard making your neck and your chin sweat. Oh, it's going to be good in Australia where it's really hot. Uh does it's it, gonna be like karaoke. We'll see what we're supposed to say next. Are you recording? <laughs> is it recording right now? It Nothing? is rolling. Yeah, it is. Okay, cool. No, uh, does it get? Um, does it's, it ever get cold in Australia? It does, but it's it's summertime right now. So their off. winter is uh, our summer. Yeah, and it's but it doesn't like snow and shit there, does it? No, but they it's a record uh, summer right now, like the like fires and everything. That's a bummer. I I. I I hate extreme weather. Yeah, it's going to be pretty warm for playing. But I think we play kind of midday, so it shouldn't be too bad. Um, what? How many shows are you doing there? I think we're doing roughly like nine or ten. Yeah, I haven't seen the. Um, how many? How many cities? By the way, we're here with uh, <laughs> my friend Dave, <laughs> darling Dave Catching from uh, Eagles of Death Metal and uh, Desert Sessions, Caius. Um, Mojave Lords, which I'm, I really want to talk about, and I'm excited about. You might have seen me in the latest issue of Bearded Wonders, <laughs> page thirty-seven. Really? Your beard is so fucking long and white, dude. It's so Gandalfy. Yes, <laughs> it's magical, like Gandalf. When do you trim it at all, or are you just letting it go? I have not trimmed it yet. That's crazy long, dude. I mean, when I first met you, you were you had a bald chin. Yeah. And now it's like this. What I have going on right now is like probably three months worth. <laughs> yeah. And it's minuscule compared to what you got going on. Yeah. I've got no hair anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> this is sprouts from my Isn't chin. it weird how it will, how it can be so bushy on your, the lower half of your head and just like, yep, well, fuck the upper half. Yeah, you know, luckily I've got a good-looking skull, so. You do, you, yeah, and you have a very distinct look, by the way. <laughs> it appeals to most women, <laughs> thank God. And you're, uh, so you're here in L.A. Uh, rehearsing for uh, some upcoming Eagles of Death Metal shows. That is correct. Not that we need rehearsals, but we just thought we'd do it. Could you guys go and just coldly do a show having not rehearsed in, like, six months? Yes, and that's how professional musicians we are. <laughs> do you do you ever forget songs? I here's my biggest problem. I'm really forgetful, and I don't know if it's the pot or what, but or also you know that I'm in my mid forties now. But um, I I'm obs- I, lately I've been obsessed, especially with musician friends of mine, um, with um, how people remember lyrics or songs, you know. Well, we're pretty lucky because we're not really doing uh, math rock or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Math rock? Nothing like Yes (laughs) or Zappa. We're doing basic Chuck Berry, Rolling Stone songs with Jesse's lyrics on top of them. Right. Does he forget lyrics? Does he ever use a... a, This was... Who did I talk to? It might... Oh, I talked to Weird Al like two weeks ago from the podcast, and I was like, do you... Do you ever use a teleprompter? Because he's got a shitload of songs that are like 
kind of complicated. And he's like, no. No, some he's, people are just like that. I, I've never been a good lyric rememberer. I, I, yeah, I, I, I would fucking, I was in a Doors cover band and I sang for, oh, yeah. I think we did two shows. That was it. <laughs> but like, and we maybe did like 10 songs total and I couldn't fucking remember <laughs> lyrics at all. And this was in my 20s when like my, my brain was fresh. I, I always think about Bob Dylan like, how the hell? Do, I mean, he's got, like, four pages of lyrics in every song. That's and, crazy. And Axl Rose has to use a teleprompter, but Bob Dylan, who's twice as old and has twice as many cool lyrics. Yeah. I don't know how he does it. I was – I actually was talking to – when I was talking to Weird Al, I said I had been watching a a, um, a show, and Steven, it was an Aerosmith concert on TV, and at one point they – they caught an angle of the stage where you could see a teleprompter. But I guess they have a shitload of songs, too. They do. And they did a shitload of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Forever and ever. That's... I, yeah, I don't think I could... And even just not lyrically, I, as a bass player, I would forget songs, you know, when in my old bands. Yeah, I don't... I, I, I have to rehearse constantly. I, I, don't, I don't mess up too much. Occasionally, if I'm showing off a little bit... Do you play by ear too, so yeah, you can pick something up really quick, even if you. Yeah, I never really took any lessons or learned any music theory like I should have. When when did you start playing music? I did started, you take any like piano or anything as a kid, like a lot of people do? No, no. My my brother played guitar and he showed me a couple of chords. So I started. I started when I was, I think I was like fifteen. Yeah, that'd have been nineteen seventy six, the bicentennial. Oh shit! Yeah. I did a little bicentennial experimenting back then. That was the best time for music, I think, was the 70s. That's my favorite. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was right on the end of uh, the glam scene and right before the punk started. So it yeah. was a good time to be around. I was just watching um, oh, Dazed and Confused. Did you ever see that movie? I love that movie. The fucking soundtrack to that movie is so goddamn good. And they nail it. I don't know how those kids learn to act like the idiots that I went to high school with. <laughs> yeah. But every one of them is exactly like somebody I went to high school yeah, with. Yeah, they were, a lot, you know, a lot. That's the age my brother was when he was in high school. And I was like, they fucking remind me of my brother. Yeah, it's like when I was 15 and everyone is someone that I went to school with. Yeah. It's pretty fucking crazy. And the places they hang out with, you know. He nailed the, every place they hung out at, the, the pinball pool table places that... <laughs> 15-year-old kids like me could get in. Yeah. And he, he well, it was Richard Linkletter, and he's from Texas, so I think mm-hmm. it was very autobiographical for him. Where You grew up in? Memphis. Oh, you, I didn't know that. I thought you, I thought you grew up in uh, New Orleans. No, I lived in New Orleans in the 90, early 90s, but I grew up in Memphis in the 70s. How long? I guess you were destined to do music then. I feel like anyone from, like, the Memphis, Tennessee area has probably got a lot of music in their blood. It was pretty. It was a pretty good place to, to the the uh, this uh, mid seventies was a good place to grow up in Memphis because you had kind of rockabilly and country influences, and then punk kind of came in. And yeah, I never really got into the uh, you know King Crimson. I mean, I loved King Crimson and stuff, but I could never play that stuff. But yeah. I could play country and rockabilly and punk. Yeah. What was your what was what was your first band? The name of my first band that played in high school was called Snatch. <laughs> and it was great because our our, princi- our principal had to inter- you know uh, introduce us. <laughs> our drummer didn't show up for the gig, which was his What? Name. Yeah, he he didn't show up for the gig. And strangely enough, we decided to play the next year at the talent show, and he didn't show up for that gig either. Why? He just didn't want to play at the school. I don't know. I Did don't he know. show up for other gigs? Or were you only doing like no. school shows? <laughs> he showed up for one gig, and uh, the singer jumped off the stage in the third song, went and grabbed all the money that we'd made and left and scored drugs, and that was the last time we played together. In the middle of the song, he just grabbed the money and left? <laughs> yeah, he jumped off stage, went and grabbed the money and split, scored <laughs> drugs, and then that was what? the end of that match. What did you do? You just kept playing? Until you realize, yeah, we were just oh, kinda, where is he? Yeah, we just kind of jammed for a while, thinking maybe he, 
you know, well, we were pretty high, so maybe he was puking or something. I don't know. Fuck, I'm so bummed I wasn't a teenager in the 70s. It was a pretty good time. 80s were cool, too. Yeah, I don't know, man. I was, that's when I was a teenager, and it was like synth, like synth music was just it, you know. I was like, my favorite band when I was in high school was uh, Oingo Boingo. Oingo Boingo was great. They're great, though. I mean, yeah. they're kind of punky, you know, alternative or whatever you would call it, new wave. But it was so fucking weird. Like, yeah, all those guys. There used to be a place on Sunset um, that was called the the Sound Check, and my my ex girlfriend and a bunch of my friends worked there, and they had jam nights. And I, I jammed with Mitch Mitchell one night. No way. With, with uh, really. Yeah, with Mitch Mitchell and the bass player from Oingo Boingo. I can't remember his name. Oh, uh, John Avilia? Yeah. Avia? Yeah, and then the the drummer from that band used to play as well. I can't remember his uh, name. Johnny Vatos. Yeah, he was amazing. And he, oh, he was there every, every, you know, everybody went there because the waitresses were super hot rock chicks and the drinks were free. What? So you would just get, If you're in a band, they're well, free. If you were playing, you just drank for free or if they knew you. But it was always, it was always crazy. Super crowded and crazy fun and great music. Like it wasn't a shitty jam. What happened to Mitch Mitchell from Hendrix's band? Uh, I don't know. He's he, still alive, right? I think so. He's probably just sitting around going, I "Yeah, always... I played with Hendrix. Fuck everybody." <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder. In fact, I think I knew when I was in college in the nineties. I knew a girl who had moved to England. And she, I think this was was before email. She she was a friend of my girlfriend's at the time, and she sent us a, a letter. And she was like, "Oh, I was at a bar last night, and the drummer from Jimi Hendrix, you know, from the Experience was was playing." I don't th- I don't think it was Mitch Mitchell though. I think it was uh, one of his Buddy later, Miles. I think it might have been Buddy Miles. That's pretty badass too. Yeah. But I wonder, I wonder, wonder what those people are doing now. It was, it was really. It, <laughs> the funny thing about the story is there was a a guy that had been uh, been fucking my girlfriend at the time, and I found out like the night before, and uh, they they asked him if I could use his guitar. No shit. <laughs> yeah, Did and you break it. <laughs> no, he asked me not to, and I I couldn't really hold it against him. You know, I mean, I was. <laughs> I was fucking her, so it seemed like. <laughs> how are you going to blame? This is the seventies or the eighties. This is the eighties. It's probably like eighty-five or. And you were in L.A. Yeah. When did you move to L.A.? Uh, I started coming out here in, in eighty-two, and then I moved here in eighty-four. I'll let you finish that story though. That, that was about it. <laughs> so I just, I told him I wouldn't break his guitar, and they asked what we wanted to do, and I said uh, anything but a Hendrix song or anything he ever did. Yeah. Wow. But that was that was a pretty. That was a pretty high point of my life at that point, playing with him. Did you uh, did you play all those clubs in L.A.? Oh yeah. With what what band were you playing with at this point? Not not Sna- Snatch, I'm assuming. <laughs> no, Snatch was just it was short lived. I love that you were a kid <laughs> playing in a band called Snatch. Was it original songs or were you doing covers? Uh, no, we did a Heartbreaker by Grand Funk Railroad. Oh shit! But I'll show you some pictures next time you're at my house. I, yeah. I, I, for the show, I had Elephant Bell Bottoms. <laughs> wallabies, which were shoes, I still popular. Have, I still have wallabies, and I had a, a punk rock dog collar and mirrored shades. Fuck! So that was seventy six or seventy seven. What was what was your hair situation? Long hair? It was shoulder length, feathery kind of stuff. It was. I was looking pretty. Dude, tough. I have to see these fucking photos. That's crazy. Yeah, I was. I was pretty hot. That's fucking amazing. Um, but the bands I was playing, I mean, I played with a ton of bands in L.A. Just I came out here with a band called The Modifiers, and then I started playing with a band called Texan Horseheads that was pretty popular around that time, and a band called The Ringling Sisters, which was cool. Oh, shit. That's a great name for a band. It was, it was a great band. There were, I think there were seven or eight girls in the band. They did kind of poetry, and it was, it was pretty <laughs> mellow stuff, but it was great. They were like all, avant-garde stuff? No, it was pretty poppy. We actually did a record that Lou Reed, I mean, Lou Hadler produced. <laughs> and Lou Reed was not there, unfortunately. <laughs> but it was the, we were really excited because Lou Adler did 
you know, he did everything from Cheech and Chong and Rocky Horror Picture Show to the Mamas Shit. and the Papas and no Jan and Dean. And we happened to be the only thing he was ever involved in that actually didn't do anything. <laughs> Were you like, oh fuck, man, this is it. This is our break. He's oh fuck yeah. I mean, it was it was all these cool girls doing kind of poetry and really like everybody could sing really good. So the it, it was kind of mama and papa just a little bit. And are there are there recordings that exist of this? Yeah, like, we, can we, you find them? Yeah, we put out a record on A and M, but right after we the record came out, A and M fired everyone that was working for them at the time. <laughs> so they were pushing us. And then they just stopped, and then I, I that that album's out of print. But it's a it's a pretty cool album. It was it was really fun making it. We did it. The in The Ringling a, Sisters. What's it called, Dina? Uh, Sixty Watt Reality. That's awesome. Yeah, that's good. What, all the uh, girls are still around. They're all still playing in bands and writing. A lot of them are writers. So, at what point did you go to uh, New Orleans? I went to New Orleans in '92. I went with some friends. I was playing with a band sometimes called, uh, they were always called Continental Drifters. I just played with them sometimes. Yeah. Then uh, a couple of those guys were from New Orleans, and I went with them. Ended up meeting a few friends that became, you know, my best friends now. Yeah. And on one trip there, uh, my friend Jimmy Ford, who's one of the most awesome dudes ever, he, uh, he took me to a bar. And we walk in, and two of his aunts were there at the bar drinking uh, Milwaukee's best and smoking cigarettes <laughs> and doing shots of like yeah. Kessler or something really bad. So we yeah. did a few shots with his aunts, and then uh, I came home the next day, and two days later he called me and said that uh, the bar we went to they were looking for someone to take over the restaurant. And I thought that was I was like yeah that that would be cool for somebody. He goes well it's really cool because it's the restaurant and seven rooms above it and they want oh, yeah. they want a thousand bucks a month for the for the whole for their everything and that includes utilities so i flew down the next day to hang out with him went by the place and it was fully stocked restaurant it was turnkey all you had to do is buy food so for a thousand no, bucks a month shit. i had a three-story building and a restaurant and a restaurant and it was incredible do you we still were, have that no 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 that, that only lasted for six months until <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there was a there was a fire. Uh, there was a gas leak, and it turned, turned into a fire, and it destroyed. It didn't really destroy the building, but it destroyed the electrical system, and the people weren't insured. So, was it like at lost night, it. like nobody was hurt? Or no, actually, I was taking a girlfriend to see Ike Turner play <laughs> in New Orleans that yeah. night, yeah. and I made a pizza for the nephew of the owner. And as I'm making it, he's, he says, "Oh, you know, it looks like there's a fire back there." And it was behind the stove. It was a gas leak that caught on fire. That shit's hard to put out, man. It was well. The I grabbed a couple of fire extinguishers, and they were all empty. The ones that, <laughs> that were provided by the owner. So that was a bit comical. But as the fire is growing, the funny part about the story is across the street was a baseball diamond, uh-huh. and there were two fire departments playing softball. No shit. And so they all came in, and <laughs> the whole time we're just grabbing fire extinguishers that were empty and so once those guys started trying to figure out how to combat the fire my friend and i ran the guy had one of the guys i had the restaurant with we ran upstairs and we're trying to grab all our stuff and one of my guitars actually yelled at me what about me because i'm grabbing other stuff so that was the first time a guitar ever talked (laughs) talked to me you still have that guitar I do, yeah. What kind of guitar is it? It's a silver tone meteor. Oh, nice. How many guitars do you say would you say you owned? Well, I counted them the other day, and including basses, I have forty-one. Fuck me, dude! <laughs> and most of them were given to me by nice folks. Yeah, you have a lot of uh, guitars at your place. Yeah, I, I had no idea it was that many, though. Yeah, me neither. I just I started counting them the other day just to see what was up. And with all the bases and stuff, yeah, like I think I have forty-one. You know, what you should do with your uh, Instagram. Dave has a, a great Instagram. His username is I took this photo. Um, you should like once a day or once a week, like or you know, Guitar Tuesday or whatever. Just post a photo of one of your guitars. I'll do that just for you. Thanks, yeah. and for the listening. Yeah, public. and for the listeners. But you know, I I hate people that 
post like 12 pictures a day. I, I do too. I, I try to follow people like that, but then they start pissing me off because nothing is that. You know, you see someone in Morocco and every day they're posting like eight pictures. It's like, why don't, you, why don't you just enjoy your time in Morocco? I agree. I don't mind people if they post like 10 a day if they're really cool photos. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But like... Here's my breakfast. I had orange juice. This is my glass of orange juice. You know what the worst is, though? It's people that post just text. Oh, yeah. Like, there's those apps that you can post text, which are kind of cool once in a while. But there are some people that every day they post a different, like, inspirational saying or oh, something. Yeah. It's like, fucking just do that on Twitter, man. Because yeah. it's just a photo app. Yeah. I just want to see photos. Nude see, photos. Yeah, I just want to see tits. Yeah. Well, how come you can't show tits on there? I don't know. You can do. You can post nude photos on uh, Twitter. Like girls, I, I know a lot of titter. <laughs> oh my god, dude! That's, that's our like, new eight hey, copyright. Yeah, titter. It, 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 we're, we're saying it right here first. This is the equivalent of mailing the idea to ourselves. Titter. That's but you know, be titter. You know, I, the, can we make that happen, Dustin? Okay. You know, check check. check this out though. I I posted a a photograph of a a poster that was of a cartoon of a that for an Eagles of Death Metal show and it had a bit of a tit in it on Instagram. And I got it got deleted. Someone I mean it was when I was a private guy. Now I'm not private anymore. Yeah. Someone busted me for a half of a and somebody you follow, somebody that follows you. Yeah, I don't know, like who, a fan. I don't know like who would friend. do that. And then I I go to other people's things and they've got full on nude photos. I Those guess. usually don't last. I I I went to uh, I know this guy Nate Smith who uh, he's a photographer and he photographs a lot of uh, porn stars and stuff. And he had an exhibit uh, here in Hollywood like a couple months ago. And I, I Instagrammed a photo, and it was all, like, nude shit. Oh, he he traveled Route 66 with, like, some porn chicks and, like, took, like, nude photos of these girls all over Route 66. And it's fucking awesome photos. And so I took a photo of one girl, and uh, my friend Kimberly Kane, who's a, a porn star, she, she was there, and she put her finger up in front of the photo so that her finger was covering the crotch of this girl. But they th- <laughs> and still fucking Instagram took the photo down. But who does that? Who, who would who would I don't complain? know. I don't know. Fucking Twitter, a lot of people post, like a lot of girls post tit shots and stuff. I think you'd get in trouble if you posted snatch. Snatch shots. <laughs> <laughs> snatch chat. Titter and Snatch Chat. Dustin, did you find anything? It's looking good for... Oh. That's Titter? It looks like a fucking strawberry shortcake cartoon site. Snatch Chat. He's looking up Snatch Chat right now. The internet looks to be not Not found. found. Uh, Hey, there we go. Titter and Snatch Chat. Snatch Chat. Copyright. Um, wow. What the fuck were we just talking about? <laughs> we get sidetracked by... Stupid Instagram banners. Oh, yeah, but you, sh- you should follow Dave on uh, Instagram. He-, he posts good stuff. What? Uh, you're not on uh, Twitter, though, right? Uh, no. Only because I'm not witty enough to say something in that few of words. I looked at the uh, Eagles of Death Metal Twitter handle. Nobody has tweeted from that thing in a very long time. That's because we're too busy rocking out and loving each other. Dave's taking a photo, probably gonna, for Instagram. I'm going to put that on Instagram. I'm going to take one of Dave right now while we're at it. Are you on any other social networking? I am not. I thought you... I was on MySpace, but people are mean on that. And that shows how long ago that was. Not Facebook, MySpace. No, and everyone... The funny thing about MySpace when I was on it, no one ever asked me how I was doing. It was always... Hey, Queens of the Stone Age are playing in Houston. Can I get me and six of my friends on the guest list? <laughs> oh, that's a fucking bummer. So, yeah, I kind of gave up on that. Okay, so you went from Memphis to L.A. Correct. And then to New Orleans. New Orleans. Then back to L.A. Your restaurant burned down. Yeah. Went back to L.A. Or When did you end up in the desert? And how did you end up in the desert? 
Well, when I had my restaurant, uh, my friend Fred Drake called me up and yeah. told me that uh, a friend of ours, Dean Chamberlain, was selling his studio equipment and asked me if I wanted to start a studio in Joshua Tree with him. And Did Fred already live out there? He was already living out there, yeah. He moved there in 92. So At what is still Rancho de la Luna? Yes. Okay. Yeah, same place. And uh, at first I said, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of busy with this restaurant thing. <laughs> But then he told me it was only six thousand, and we had we'd only have to pay three grand each and split it. We could pay him as little as we wanted to as over a six thousand total total for all the gear, not for the house or anything, but just for the. What gear. was the gear? The soundboard that's there right now? A different one we, that we use for years, and a tape machine, and all the cables, wow. a bunch of mics. I mean, it was it was well, well worth it. So I I did. I just sent him a check for three thousand, and I became. A studio entrepreneur with one of my, and Fred was not only uh, an incredible musician, but he was a great producer and yeah. engineer as well, and an awesome, hilarious guy. Yeah, I've heard nothing about but great things about him. Yeah, he was he was an incredible dude, and so yeah, we started that, and then when my restaurant burned, uh, I got a call from my best friend Hutch, who was working with Caius, and they asked yeah. me to go on the road. They were looking for a guitar tech to go to Europe, and I'd never been to Europe. So since I didn't really have a home at the time, it seemed like a good idea to go it's to It's a great Europe. idea. Yeah, it was It was amazing. It was really cool. And were I, you aware of Caius at this point? Oh, yeah, yeah, because, I mean, I, I was really great friends with Chris Goss, who had produced a couple of their records, and yeah. I'd, I'd met all the guys. I was kind of friend. I was friendly with all of them, but yeah. then when we started touring, we all became really great friends, and we toured together for, I think, about... A year and a half, two years. Solid. Yeah. That's it, fucking crazy. Those guys, once Josh finishes an album and starts touring, he's fucking gone for... He's gone. It's crazy, the yeah. touring amount of touring he does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, I guess. Is you I guess that's where the money comes comes from. Cause... I mean, Eagles of Death Metal have been touring pretty solid for 10 years, and we've only put out a couple of records. Yeah. And he's put out maybe five in the same time i think yeah he's got us beat by a couple but we're working on a new one so and good. it sounded sound, you were you came by right no oh, I, I haven't heard any of the new stuff oh it's really good there's a couple of killer ones are you going to be playing them this weekend uh i don't think so we were talking about it but i think we might just wait until after we get back from australia stick with the hits stick with all the hits <laughs> what were you talking about <laughs> Oh, Caius. Yeah, yeah. So you toured with Caius as a guitar tech? Yeah, as a guitar tech. Did you ever play play shows with them? No, no. They they weren't jammer dudes that allowed other people to play with them. Um but it was it was really fun. And then towards the end, right before they broke up, I decided I couldn't I wanted to work on my stuff. I'd started a band with Fred and uh we were working on stuff and then they broke up. And then Fred and I started a band called Earthlings with our yeah. friend Pete Stahl, and we did a few albums. And then uh, Josh was on tour with Screaming Trees. He was playing with the band Screaming Trees from Seattle for a while. And yeah. Some friends of mine from uh, Amsterdam invited me over to Amsterdam to hang out for a few weeks when they were going to when Screaming Trees were playing there. So we, I went over and hung out, and then. Uh, at the end of the Screaming Trees tour, Josh was offered uh, some money to do a song on a compilation record, and that's when we first did Queens of the Stone Age. We did a song that he and I wrote called 1880, and it's on a compilation called Burn One Up. Oh, yeah, I've, I've heard that. Yeah. And that was that, that was the first Queens recording? Yeah. And where did you record that? That was outside of Amsterdam. What when did when did Rancho de la Luna, which is the infamous house recording studio that you actually live at now, when did that first come into being? This is the twentieth year, so ninety four. Jesus fucking Christ. Mm -hmm. When did you take over? I took over in two thousand and four, so ten years ago. Really? Yeah. For some reason I thought you'd been there longer. Yeah, Fred passed away in two thousand two and then I tried to run it as a studio for about a little over a year and then uh it just wasn't working as just a studio, so I moved in and 
then I just started just friends of mine would want to record there because I mean I didn't have tons of great gear but it's a good place to go out and, yeah it's and record and now it's fucking it, amazing yeah now it's, it's it's gotten it's it's gotten a lot more gear so now people a lot of people come out and record such as bands such as Arctic Monkeys Arctic Monkeys PJ Harvey PJ Harvey's been there uh, Queens of Stone Age um, Daniel Lamois. Yep, Duke Spirit. Duke Spirit. Uh, fucking, there's a shitload. Goat Snake. Goat Snake. Who's, I don't know Goat Snake. Oh, shit. You would love Goat Snake. They're one of the best heavy bands. Pete Stahl from Earthling sings in Goat Snake with the guy Greg Anderson. And you guys still do Earthling stuff. I, I saw you just as recently as like last, last year. year. Yeah. We still do stuff occasionally when we when we all have a little time. Everyone's pretty busy right now. Yeah, it sounds good. There's not many recordings though, right? No, we got a couple of records. We got three records. One was four records out. When was the last record? Uh, we just re-released the first two records uh, about nine months ago. Yeah, and we're, we've got another record we're trying to put out, but we haven't quite finished it yet. Um, I, I, and with the Mojave Lords taking oh up all God. the time. Okay, so you've I, I'm this is some shit that I'm really excited about, and I fucking text you constantly. <laughs> About releasing, um, I'll have a CD of it for you this weekend for sure. <sighs> I can't wait. Dave uh, recorded a band with some friends. Um, who played drums? Well, Joey Castillo from Queens and Eagles plays on a song. Barrett My, Barrett Martin from Screaming Trees that we were just talking about. My friend Larry Mullen from uh, he played. He's been playing with Iggy Pop for in the Stooges for a long time. Yeah, and our friend Danny Frankel, who's played with every. Yeah, you know, he used to play with KD Lang and Victoria Williams. Yeah, great drummer. And Bingo, Bingo, Brian, and me. Um, some of the fucking sweetest song you played them for me last time I was out there. Some, I guess, rough mixes. Yeah, that sounded good enough to go when I heard them. Well, strangely enough, we tried to mix them, and I think we're going to use like half of the original mixes that I played you because yeah. it was just hard to get back to the... They sounded fucking great. You start getting demo-itis and then nothing sounds as good and as it was the some original. heavy shit, too. There's some heavy shit on it. Um, I'm so excited. <laughs> Dave played these songs for me last time I was out in the desert, and I was so blown away and excited that, like, I probably text you, like, once a week going... Because <laughs> I think back then when you played them for me, you're like, oh, we're going to master these soon and they'll be out in a couple weeks and yeah. so every week i'm like mojave lords mojave lords mojave lords yeah that's what you're hoping to do and then everyone that you're involved with working conditions always gets another gig and then it, months <sighs> go by it's so fucking good it's what i picture when someone uses the term desert rock which yeah. is a fairly broad term um but that's kind of the, what I picture when I hear the term desert rock in yeah, my it's, head. It's Mojave Lords. It's desert rock. <laughs> Perfect name for it, too. Do you, do you sing on it all? And you, have, you fucking recorded an album, too. Yeah, my album's almost done. But that's, again, waiting for other. And that was amazing shit, too. I haven't heard any of that in a while. But what you played for me was amazing. I'll put amazing. a couple of those on the end of the Mojave Lords CD for you. I'm plotting right now. Uh <laughs> Can we talk about uh, desert sessions? Yeah, yeah. When did when did those start? I think we did the first one in '97, I believe. And how did that come about? Just uh, the way most of the shit out there happens—people hanging out. Yeah, I, you know, you'd probably have to ask Josh exactly, but um, I think a lot of it. Sh- we were doing Earthlings, and I think he thought that was kind of cool because we'd ask him or other friends to come out. You know. Caius was very exclusive. They it was just the four of those guys doing their thing. Yeah, and uh, he, I think he just wanted to do something a little different and invite, you know, people that he admired in and see what happened. And the first one was mostly people that he already knew. Yeah, and we had a great time. It was when we didn't have a lot of gear. We still were using the original gear we bought, which was not that awesome. But we did some really cool recordings. And as it progressed. Uh, he started asking cooler, well, equally as cool, but more famous people. Yeah, there's some amazing people playing on those. Yeah, and then once, you know, people like PJ Harvey and Alan Johannes and Natasha Schneider and all those people started playing, um, then other people started 
getting I, – I, I still run into like the most famous people that are begging me to get him to do another Desert oh, Sessions. So like, every now and then I, I mention it to him. I'm like, dude, you got to. Yeah, it's it's funny the people that want to – that really want to do it. it it's And last uh, – I think it was maybe like six months ago he told me that – he, he he wanted he booked some time because he wanted to do it. And I think it was going to be like an all female one, which would have been really Shit. cool. No way. And then he started getting super busy with the queen. So who knows? Yeah. But I love it. It's it's great. Just how would have... you explain for someone who didn't know what the desert sessions were? How would you explain it? Well, you get a bunch of like minded, awesome musicians together in the middle of the desert. Uh, where most of them have never been before, yeah. and most of them have never met, and you just start telling them to write stuff, and you just put t- instruments in their hands, and start giving them instruments, and you you start rolling tape, and things happen. Are most of the recordings? This is what I've always wondered. Most of the recordings are are they like one takes? Yeah, or, or is there kinda. a lot of you well, know multi tracking and stuff? There's, there have not been like you know if it takes more than three takes it it's not, not worth, worth doing it. it probably, but um, there's a there's a really cool song that Chris Goss and P J Harvey did called There Will Never Be a Better Time, mm-hmm. and that session was was the most incredible session I've ever been involved with because there were so many cool people I had Alan Johannes and uh, Dean Ween on the front porch writing a song. Twiggy was on the Twiggy Ramirez was on the back porch writing a song. Chris and PJ were at Hutch's house writing a song and we were all laying down a song and you know while this was all going on so Jesus. Uh in that day I think we tracked five or six songs and then Alan wrote this one song. He was kind of buzzed on wine. He's like, "Oh, I've got this little thing and he plays like an acoustic Van Halen song or something, <laughs> like in, in one take. And Goss and PJ came back and they did one take of this song. And if you if you hear it, you'll never believe that it was just, hey, we've got this idea, we're just going to lay it down. And they just, and that was the one take where everyone gave them a standing ovation. Like uh. everybody just could not believe how awesome it was. There was nothing to be fixed. It was just perfect take from start to finish do you remember which uh desert sessions that was i think that might have been on the last one maybe 10 i think nine and, ten. nine and ten Dude, that's the only one that's that you can find anywhere yeah. for sale yeah that's the other bummer is uh, it's very frustrating knowing that these <laughs> songs yeah. exist somewhere and you can't find them no they're pretty pretty pricey he was t- he was talk. Josh was talking about doing a best of box set at one point, but that hasn't happened yet either. Hey, you I mean, you've burned stuff for me before, and I, th- I think I've lost it. But Shh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so good. I'll, and how I'll, do you I'll burn you another one? How do you, also how do you get people together at one time to do that stuff? Like, did you just say, "Hey, PJ, come out to to the desert" or? I guess when it's Josh, people want to be involved in what he does because he's such an interesting uh, and unique musician and person. You know, he's one of the funniest dudes ever. Yeah, and uh, he's well respected, so people want to be involved. And it just seems like a fun thing to do: go in the middle of the desert and record with a bunch of amazing musicians that don't know each other. And what's the time span from like when you guys start doing it to like days, weeks? Usually a week. Start to finish. That's so crazy to me, man. Yeah, it's it's really good. I wish the, I wish you guys would do more. It's That's, crazy because anytime I come out to your place, there's usually people recording there. Yeah, and even if it's not a band that's rented out the space, it's you guys are usually just jamming and recording stuff. Oh yeah, I mean you have to. That's what it's it's about. If it's there, I guess. Yeah, one that the the back to the one session where everybody was writing. I. Uh, Josh Freeze, the drum, awesomest drummer, stopped by and he's like, "Hey, I got this idea for you know, he, you know, he wasn't, he was just invited to stop by. He didn't know he's going to play. He's like, oh, I got this new song I, I was working on. So like, he and Josh and Joey sat down and they did uh, in my head the Queen song. Yeah, and he wrote, I think he wrote the the guitar riff and then Josh wrote the lyrics and sang it. 
And that I love that song. That's my other question is how because some of these songs have gone on to be Queen songs. Yeah. Some have gone on to like PJ Harvey Harvey albums. Yeah. Who decides like <laughs> I get that song or yeah. you get that song? <laughs> I guess Josh decides first. <laughs> <laughs> this is my project. This, this is mine. my song. Yeah. That's fun. That, that's something I've always wondered about. Um. Please, I, I I want those those tapes to be released. Yes, yeah. Um, what else? What uh, what else can we talk about, Dave? I don't know. Here's my phone number in front of all you single ladies out there. Oh shit! Number one. Are you a single man right now, Dave? I'm single right now. It's pretty um, awesome. Uh oh, I know what I want to uh, talk about. So, Eagles of Death Metal. Um. Every now and then you guys do shows that are women-only shows? That's true. Ladies only. <laughs> Is that what they're called? Ladies, Ladies only. only. Yeah. How many of those have you done? We've only done two, but we're talking about doing another one. And they are out of control. How did that How did that happen? I, I think Jesse came up with that idea, which makes a lot of sense. That makes complete sense. And uh, both of them were in London, both the ones that we did, and they both were crazy I got I got mickeyed at one of them. Everyone says I just got drunk that night, but I got mickeyed. Something somebody slipped me something. So by the end of the set, I don't remember much after that. Really? Yeah. I mean, when I get drunk, I can kind of remember that. But and when it's like ladies only, like how, like to what extent is it ladies only? Like uh, every the only guys are like crew guys and our like crew guys uh, employees of the club I think employees of the clubs a couple of bartenders and then the press that were males had to dress and drag no oh yeah really yeah and they did they did they so only, only, only the employees of the club and our <laughs> our crew were the only males allowed that's fucking great how long are those shows uh, you know normally we'll, we'll go as long as we can Unless I'm mickeyed and I forget songs or whatever. That's the fucking best idea. I'm surprised more bands. I'm surprised don't do we that. haven't done it more. Yeah. I mean, we need an LA ladies only. You should do, anytime you book a tour, you should do like, okay, you know, Friday night we're doing so, such and such, and then Saturday night it's a ladies only at the same club. We'll, we'll help. We'll get you to help us book those. I'll, I'll photograph them and yeah. I'll I'll dress and drag. That'd be great. That, but just that <laughs> alone. <laughs> you guys don't dress and drag though, do you? No, no. There's got to be a couple of hot dudes in there. Uh, <laughs> so you, when do you leave for uh, Nor or um, Australia? Australia? Sunday night. For how long? Three weeks. Oh fuck, that's a long time. Mm -hmm. That's perfect though, because jet lag will take a while to get. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really nice. Uh, it's the Soundwave Festival. It's a really heavy festival. We don't really quite fit on the bill as much as other people. But like our what name bands? Allison Chains, Holy Rob shit. Zombie, Holy shit. Uh, Clutch is playing, which are, they're great. Uh, uh, Mastodon, I love Mastodon. Yeah. They're great guys. First time I saw Queens of the Stone Age. No, that's not true. The first time I met Josh at a Queens of the Stone Age show was at the. Uh, I think it might have been one of the very first shows at the Nokia. Yeah. I, was, I already Mastodon. knew you through Missy and yeah. Shawnee, but it was at Nokia and Mastodon was opening yeah. for them. That was the, one of your first Queens gigs? No, I'd seen them before and I'd seen Kai's before, but that's the night I met Josh. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was a great show. It was a fucking amazing show. Yeah, that was good. I saw... I saw... I've seen them so many times even before I knew any of you guys, but I saw one show... And I think this was before I knew you, all you guys in Orange County at the the fit at the oh yeah, universe the Pacific Amphitheater. Yep, Eagles of Death Metal open for Queens. It wasn't Pacific Amphitheater. It was it was an amphitheater, but is that what it was called? It was at the fair. Yeah, it was part of the Orange County Fair, yeah. but it was at the Pacific Amphitheater, oh, okay, which is on the fairgrounds. Okay. Um, that was a great show. That was a fucking amazing. You guys, I hate to say, but I think we took the. I fucking I think, think so. I'd never seen you guys live before, and I was like, holy shit. It was so fucking good. Jesse's a fucking great front, front man. I think he's the best. He and Pella from The Hives are yeah. pretty much equal in their badassery of commanding. He's state. like a full-on what you think of like a pure rock and roll front man should be. 
he he is like truly, a womanizing, like flirting with the audience. And he is truly the most rock and roll person I've ever met in my life. Yeah, that show was so fucking good. And uh, the only, the other thing I remember was Josh had just had knee surgery. Like, oh yeah, think, and he was jumping off amps and stuff. Like the day before or something. Yeah. Like he uh, when he first walked out, he might have even come out with a cane. He did for sure because we did a whole tour that tour with them. Yeah, and he would. He would jump off amps with his fucked up knee. Smart. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why it was so fucked up for so long. Yeah, that sh- that was a fucking great show. And then uh, I think the best Queens show I ever saw was probably the last one I saw, which was at the, the Gibson Amphitheater, yeah. which was one of the last shows at that theater. Yeah, and Hutch had it sounding crazy awesome and so loud as fuck. So fucking good. It was really... I think that was one of the best times I've seen Queens in a while. I mean... Uh, every, every version has been awesome, though. I mean, the original one with with Alfredo and me and Nick was great, and then every every tour with somebody else has been. The tours with Dave Grohl were great. The, the tours with Joey were the best. I, you know, some you toured. Them. When did you tour with them? I toured with them between ninety seven and two thousand. Um, which al- which albums? The first two records. Uh, you're on one of the album. Your voice on the. Um, I'm on three of the or four of the records. But you're one of the radio DJs in uh, Songs for the Deaf. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's so odd. You have a great radio vote. You should do more radio. Yeah. Yeah, I have a really nice radio. Dave Catching, not saying goodnight, <laughs> just saying. That's it. Um, I get that a lot. Do you really? Oh yeah. Is that that's not you on the cover of the album though, is it? It's that's me Josh. On, that's me on the actual CD. On the disc. Yeah, of Rated R and Songs for the Deaf. Oh, I did. I'm on both of those CDs. Because I'm such a awesome CD. You have a, a distinct look, even like, you know, when it's like, how would you describe It's like a negative. It's Yeah. It's not an actual photo. It's I am so positive that they can use a negative of me and it's still <laughs> Well, it's because of your your mohawky thing, and yeah. now with the beard, yeah. There's a there's a painting in your house now that someone did of you with your flying V and your. Or do you have the beard in that photo? I maybe don't, not, but maybe I'll get cotton swabs and kind of glue it <laughs> or cotton candy. <laughs> I think your new nickname should be Cotton Candy Catching. That's pretty good. I never thought about that. You could dye your fucking beard pink. Oh, I did that. You did? I did that for Mardi Gras last year. I play in a band called Pink Slip in New Orleans. We play during Mardi Gras, and we ride in the parades. So I actually did dye my my beard and mohawk pink for that. Really? Yeah. I, I fucking want to see photos of I think of I've it. got it on my Instagram. I took this photo. Go check it out. <laughs> I, at, I took this photo. Do you, do you have any... Um, Businesses or property in in New Orleans still? No, no. But I have a daughter you're, that lives there. And, you're there a lot. Oh yeah, I was. I just got back uh, last week. What were you there for? I went down just to visit my daughter. It. I'm going to miss her 16th birthday uh, on the 15th of this month. And yeah. then uh, my friend Peaches was down there showing her movie and performing. So oh, that's you know. right. You've uh, you guys toured with Peaches too. We toured with Peaches. I played on a couple of her records and no shit. Sure. Which ones? I played on Fatherfucker and. Uh, the, uh, Motherfucker. The one after that. I can't remember the name of it. Um, I'm, I'm totally you're, spacing. You're not on Teaches of Peaches. No. No, that was before I met her. Uh, but I she, met her in New Orleans. She's fucking awesome. She is one of the... There's there, she Jesse and Pella are the male domineering front people, and she is a force of her own because she can... I mean, I've seen her with bands, and it's amazing, but when she's by herself, I've never seen anyone perform it's, like that. Yeah, I mean, she, it's crazy. In, in New Orleans, she just did it by herself on the last thing, and it blew my mind. I'm always, like, nervous when I see someone about to perform, you know, to a track. Yeah. As opposed with a band, I'm always like, oh, this is going to be weird. But, but she she's fucking great doing it. And the other person I've seen do it who fucking kills is Harmar Superstar. Yeah, he's he's another one of the sexy dudes that commands the whole place. He's mind-blowing. Yeah. You see that guy on the street, you would have no idea the shit he's capable of. I Yeah. I mean, I've seen him pull. We did a, a UK tour with him, and we've been friends for a long time. So. Yeah. But uh, back to Peaches, you got to go see your movie, Peaches Does Herself. 
it's one of the best concert films I've ever seen. It's filmed in a theater with all the the costumes and props, and it's all her songs. Where can I see this? Uh, it's been making the rounds on, uh, you know, the, at theaters doing. So it's not like a a, a release thing yet. Not like yet. Theaters not yet. are. I think she's been doing. DVD. You know, like a, you know, like the Toronto Film Festival, L.A. Film Festival, New Orleans. She was just wanted to go down there and visit friends and put on a show and do that. But it's it's the best concert uh, film I've seen in a long time. Really? Yeah, it's really good. Um, I don't know if Harmar has one, but if he does, I'd I don't like think to he does. That. He should. What's your favorite concert film of all time? I think uh, Russ Never Sleeps, Neil Young. You ever seen that one? one? Yeah. That's, I also love the um, the Talking Heads one. Oh, yes. Stop Making Sense? Yeah. That's a that's great a one. That's a fucking great one. And I was never really into them in, until I saw that movie. Yeah, those are both really good. Uh, what's another good one? I don't know. I just like Russ Never Sleeps because it's it. He goes he put on a really interesting show. Uh, I I love Neil Young. Yeah, and Crazy Horse is pretty badass backing band. Yeah, is um. Have you ever met Neil Young? Have you played? I have not. I'd be a little nervous to meet him or David Bowie, but anybody uh, else, I wouldn't really worry. What'd about. What do you think of Bowie's last album? I liked it it's, a lot. I fucking love I it. I thought it was. Real, I think it's some of his best lyrics. And it came out of nowhere, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like he had had his heart attack a few years ago and yeah. kind of dropped off the face of the earth. And I was just like, oh, I guess that's it. I know. What kind of chance do I have if Bowie has a heart attack? I mean, I might as well. Oh, my God, dude. Don't even get me started. It's my biggest. <laughs> it's it's crazy because it's my biggest fear right now is like a heart attack <laughs> or a stroke. Just because of the way I live, I'm just like. I'm not taking care of myself right now, and yet it's always in, like, the back of my mind, like, you know, as I'm eating a hamburger or something, I'm like, I should be having broccoli or something, but I still... It usually happens to those that are uh, (laughs) taking care of themselves, so that's why I don't. Does it? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you choose to believe. That's what I'm believing. No, and I'm, like, at that age now where the... It, you know, I'll be 45 in two weeks. Oh, yeah. What, what are we going to do for your birthday? I don't know. What the, Are you going to be back in... You're still going to be in Australia. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, What's your birthday, just so everybody knows? February 26th. Oh, that's a good one. Who, who <laughs> else? Who, who else do you share that with? Um, oh, a couple people. Uh, my friend Molly, who... Uh, she books uh, the Punchline in San Francisco and cool. Cobbs. Um, Johnny Cash. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, Erica Badu. Oh, a lot of music people. Nice. Um, I think the guy who played Fred Mertz. Oh, yeah. William Frawley. He, we either he have a... the same birthday or he died on my birthday. Or you're you're both complete assholes like he was supposed to be. Oh, my God. I watched a, a little short documentary on some show from like the 80s about how he and... Ethel didn't get along on set at all. They fucking hated each other. Yeah, I heard he was not cool. <sighs> Fred. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I share I share my June 7th birthday with Prince and Tom Jones. No way. That's why we are the trifecta of hot sexy dudes. Are you you're usually in, in uh, New Orleans for your birthday, right? I, I, I've, I don't think I've ever celebrated a birthday with you because I think you're always in New Orleans. Yeah, I've tried to talk you into going there with me many times. But you did do a filmed uh, birthday greetings for me on my, I did? on my 50th. Yeah, I don't remember. You don't remember? I, I, I remember I did something. I don't remember what I did. It was pretty good. People cheered a lot. Did they? Yeah. Good. Mo- most for you, uh, <laughs> Anthony Bourdain and Dave Grohl all... Did these. Oh shit! That's right. Anthony Bourdain fucking did uh, an episode of his show out in Joshua Tree. Well, it was dedicated. Well, I guess the Mojave Desert, but yeah, yeah, a lot of it was in Joshua Tree, and they filmed at your place. Yeah, they were very cool. We we did a few days of cooking and hanging out. Had you met him before? I had not met him before. No, he was really cool, and uh, we had a really great time. They ended up. They were supposed to shoot for a night. They stayed for three nights. We just had three nights of that's, cooking uh, and hanging out. We recorded a song for the for that episode. For the episode. That's how it is out at your places. 
Shit never lasts just one night. I, I've gone to your place for New Year's multiple times. You have, like, infamous New Year's parties at your place where people show up before New Year's with oh, yeah. trailers and stuff, and they are there for, like, a week. Or longer. Usually people start showing up on Christmas Eve and leave on, like, the third or fourth. That's why we took off a couple of years because it was starting to get a little it's out of control. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah. I This past New Year's Eve, I was sick. You didn't have anything out at your place, though, did you? No, no. I was sick this past New Year's Eve. Last New Year's, I didn't make it until the day after. And I, and, uh, I think I texted you, and you're yeah. like, come on out. The party's still going. Like, New Year's Day, and I went out, and there was still, like, 50, easily 50 people still hanging out there, drinking. And oh, yeah. That's crazy. I mean, it's not crazy to me, because... No, it's good. Brian and Hutch and I all have a few houses there, so... Yeah, it's a whole compound, yeah. a musical compound. And now Brian has a uh, boat. He, he, he didn't did. see the boat yet. <laughs> like, that's a, on my Instagram as well. A Just, permanent <laughs> boat, like that's yes, it's his guest room, the guest I gallery. I didn't see that. I got to look at your Instagram every now and then. I, I'll go for a few days without looking at it, uh, and then by that time, so many. Um, Photos have piled up that I'll I'll miss. I'll miss um, I'll miss a lot of photos, and every now and then I'll look at your Instagram and be like, "Well, check out my new Titter feed that I just." <laughs> oh, you have up. a Titter feed? I have a Snapchat uh, account. <laughs> um, I'm gonna look here. I tweeted for people to ask questions, but I did it right before, so we may not have any. Let me. I'm look. sure they're like, "Okay, here's my question: Who's Dave catching?" <laughs> Nope, fuck them. They'll, uh, I have a stalker in his shit. Fucking, I'll go to my my at replies, and it's just. Uh, That's a total bummer. You've got a male stalker. Well, he really stalks a female friend of mine who's on a TV show, and he he's a he hates and he's jealous that I'm friends with her. So he fucking just. Fuck, man. Give me his address. I'll start stalking him, see how he likes it. I'll do that. No, you don't want to get involved because then he – well, fuck it. We won't give him any air, airplay. Um, JVD Goot says, um, I hear he's not saying goodnight, just saying. As in we already made that reference to uh, to your appearance on Songs for the Deaf. Um. This is a lot of what I thought it would be. Uh, Twanzio says, uh, I want, nay, I demand more desert sessions. Uh, we're working on that. Ah, fuck. I guess you couldn't do those without Josh, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, at one point, we, th we thought we would try to do one called the dessert sessions. <laughs> no one would really know the difference. <laughs> How would you... I, I, something I've wanted to talk to you about. I want to record an album called Kitchen Songs. I, I, I record music in my kitchen because yeah. I have pro, pro Tools and Logic. But uh, I, I record a lot of really dumb songs, usually just one verse and then I stop. But it's a lot of shit about like dirty dishes and rotten milk. And Let's do it. As you well know, I record a lot of things in my kitchen. I'll send you some stuff that I've recorded. Cause my problem is... I think I've talked about this before. Maybe I talked about it with Weird Al, but, like, you know, I came to L.A. as a musician. I've played in a lot of bands, and um, I, I can record. I know how to set it up to record, but my problem is I don't know how to mix. I don't know what situations you would, like, uh, when do you fade a guitar, or when do you pan a guitar left, when do you pan it right, what makes you, you know, I, I don't know how to mix or I, I master think you it. do. I think you just have to... You have to delve into it. I don't understand any of that shit. I guess you could fucking help me with that. Dustin, my sound guy. I'm getting Dustin out to the rancho to help do some stuff. Has uh, Eagles of Death Metal ever considered not waiting on Josh to make an album? <laughs> Every day. I guess it's, it it's kind of Josh's thing, right? It's Josh and Jesse's. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's them having a good time and involving... All of us. 
But it's really hard to do it without him. You need his input. And that was Brosive. What's up, Brosive? Um, I, I said for people, uh, I said Dave Catching is going to be on the podcast. Uh, tweet your questions and hashtag them because uh, my podcast is called Uh. So hashtag it, Uh Dave. <laughs> so Colin Hanks wrote, that has got to be my favorite hashtag of all time. What's up, Colin Hanks? And uh, I think that's it. That is a good-looking man, that Colin Hanks. Colin Hanks is in uh, Canada right now. Where is he? Like Quebec or somewhere. Not Quebec. One of those really cold parts of Canada. Aren't they all? Um, yeah, but one of the, like, the really desolate places. Have you toured in Canada? Oh, many times. Actually, oh, Hutch y'all... is from uh, Hutch, the infamous sound master, is from Nova Scotia, Canada. Halifax, yeah. Halifax. Yeah, we actually on a Queens tour, I believe in 98, we we hit some black ice and we went off the road and thought we were going to die, but uh, we were all okay. Um, and it was actually immortalized in a Spin magazine. Really? Yeah, because at, at one point when Spin was still there, they would uh, do cartoons of stories and they did one of the Black Ice episode. Really? Oh, that's weird. Yeah. I want to see that. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, Colin is up there filming the TV series uh, based on the movie Fargo. Oh, cool. Um, what character is he? I think he's a character that's not in the movie. Oh. It's not... Uh, it's just loosely based on... It's the characters and the location, but, um, you know, it's a series. So it's not... I, they're not recreating the movie. I just rewatched that the other day, and... Uh, it's good. Uh, it's so good. The first time I saw it was in Amsterdam where people were smoking weed and drinking in the theater. And I was wondering how they were... And half of the people I went with were Dutch, so they didn't really... With the accent, they were oh. really having a tough time. <laughs> there weren't a lot of chuckles. Yeah. Over. Oh, that's fucking funny. I can't... Uh. I, I, I think I'd go out of control in Amsterdam. It's pretty good. The <laughs> ladies are beautiful and... The Dutch. Yeah, the Dutch are really nice. Very honest, brutally. Like how? Like, oh, I think you're fat. Oh, you need to lose weight. I will not sleep with you. Yeah. I think I, that's I, what I'd probably hear a lot. <laughs> I doubt that, but... Oh, you're too tall. More like, because of death metal, you're so good live. Why do your albums suck? Why are you not uh, playing death metal? <laughs> Why do you... <laughs> You play rock and roll, not death metal. We do do that. How did the, how'd that name... I think I've heard the story before, but how did that name come about? I think a friend of Josh and Jesse's was playing them some death metal, and uh, they were like, you think that's death metal? That's like the Eagles of death metal. I've forgotten who it was. I think... Right. Uh, I can't remember the band. The Eagles of death metal. It's a yeah. great name. It's a pretty good one. Although, when you're doing stuff like at the dentist, and they're like, oh, you're a musician. What bands do you play with? And you say Eagles of Death Metal, everyone says, oh. Hmm. I remember my friend Melanie turned me on to you guys because uh, I'd heard the name before. Because I've been a huge fan of, you know, that whole – because I grew up in Riverside, you know, halfway between here and the desert. And so I'd seen Caius and was familiar with them and was really excited when uh, Queens of Stone Age surfaced and then uh, – and I heard uh, Eagles of Death Metal. And without hearing the music, I was like, ah, I'm not into death metal. I'm not going to, I don't, I'll listen to it later. Yeah. And then my friend Melanie was like, you fucking idiot. It's not death metal. <laughs> I was like, what? And then I listened. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. This is really fucking amazing. Well, when we've toured Scandinavia, we do get death threats quite a bit from death metal people that say, you fucking are not death metal. I want to kill you. But luckily, no one's killed us yet. That's, that seems like the place where they would do it, though. Yeah. Those people that, like, burn churches, like those black metal man fans that... Yeah. Yeah. Be careful, man. Yeah. I'm not too worried. <laughs> They're usually skinny. Um, all right. I'm looking at the clock, and it looks like we've done an hour, which is um, right on par. Do you have anything you want to to plug Mojave Lords, keep an eye out for Mojave Lords. Mojave Lords. I'm uh, looking out for that. Uh, More Eagles of Death Metals. New Eagles of Death Metal and hopefully a tour. 
uh, new TV show, Juke. Oh, yeah. Dave and I are trying to work on a show with a, a, another couple of friends called Juke. It's, it's that's, all, that's all I'll share because I don't want people no. to steal the idea. But Just had to get you approached me and... with this, and I was like, yeah, it sounds like a good idea. And then you and uh, Chris. Chris Lee. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's Chris's band called again? Super Su- Group. Super Group. Super Group. Super Group. They're great. And uh, you guys had worked out a whole breakdown of this show idea. And sent it to me, and I was fucking blown away. It's going to be good, so stay tuned for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Dave, thanks so much for doing it. I was shocked that you were in L.A. I took a chance because sure. I knew you had a show coming up. Yeah. Um, but thanks for doing this, man. Oh, my pleasure. Always fun to hang out with you. And thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. All right, thank you very much, Dave, for doing that. Uh, and thank you, the listeners, for listening. I appreciate uh your patronage, uh, if you will. And uh, while you're here at Feral Audio, I don't know if you're listening to this on iTunes or Feral, but if you're listening to this on the web uh, from our website, feralaudio.com, please click around. There's some amazing uh, podcasts, Dunkel Dunkel Trussin Family Fucks. (laughs) Please click around. There's some other great podcasts. No, you know what? Leave that in there. I think that's funny. The Duncan Trussell Family Hour is what I was trying to say. Please give it a listen. Duncan's great. And any of the other uh, podcasts on the site, Todd Berry, uh, he has a great podcast. Chelsea Peretti's. Um, I, I think you'll, you'll be pleasantly surprised if you don't already know about them. And uh, feel free to donate to any of the podcasts or to Farrell. Or, you know, if you want to go buy stuff. Uh, on Amazon.com if you want to buy some Eagles of Death Metal albums. Uh, go to Amazon and use the link on uh, my Feral Audio page, and uh, our show gets a very small kickback at no extra cost to you. So I appreciate it. Even if you don't, thanks for listening. I, um, I am indebted to you for that as well. Have a nice day, everybody. Bye-bye. Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. 